This week on Geek Explained, with the conclusion of Obi-Wan Kenobi, I'm joined by returning guest Jesse Pickering to rank every Disney Plus Star Wars series from worst to best. Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host, Eric Azana, and today's episode is the final episode of June before we head off into July, and it is a- another ranking episode. I'm very excited about this one. This is in honor of the completion of Obi-Wan Kenobi, the latest in the long line of Disney Plus Star Wars series, and in honor of that show wrapping up, and in honor of the whole era of Star Wars Disney Plus shows, I am going to be ranking every Star Wars Disney Plus show that we've gotten so far. But I am not going to be alone. I will be joined by good brother, friend of the podcast, and returning special guest Jesse Pickering, the biggest Star Wars fan I know, to go over all seven, yes, seven, slots in this lineup and rank them from worst to best. I want to say a huge thank you to everyone who supported this podcast over on Kumu. Uh, We were part of a competition where 30 podcasters walked in and did some live streaming. I had never live streamed before. Thank you to everyone who joined in and was able to uh, check out the live streams. It was new for me. I didn't really know what I was going to do, but I had a great time. We won't be moving to the next round, but it was a learning experience. I am just happy to have been part of that initial 30 lineup, and I wish nothing but success for the 15 that are moving on. And I honestly, you know, I'm looking into the idea of maybe doing streams for this podcast so let me know if you're interested in that let me know if you're interested in doing streams of any kind i like playing video games so maybe i'll do that but back to the task at hand this week we are ranking every star wars disney plus show we also have this week's comics countdown where i'll be chatting you up about all the comics you should be checking out this week so stay tuned after the jump for that but for now let's roll on right into the main event the main course the entree if you will as i alongside good brother jesse pickering rank every single star wars disney plus show from worst to best Somewhere in a galaxy not too far away, we have been getting just a butt-ton of Star Wars content on the streaming service Disney+. Plus, Though not all Star Wars content is created equal, as we've found over the last few years. So, in the tradition that I am now calling an annual tradition that I'm just starting this year, we are going to be ranking every single Star Wars show on the Disney Plus streaming service. And I am joined by the biggest Star Wars fan I know, good brother, friend of the podcast, one of my longtime friends, 
and adversaries. It is Jesse Pickering. Jesse, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, I was not aware of the adversary part. Oh, it's one-sided. I've I've decided that you're you're my uh, what is it? My Ned Flanders. <laughs> Pickering. See, it works. <laughs> it works. But yeah, man, welcome back to the podcast. It's been a minute. Yeah, it's 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 been a hot second. Uh, but uh, you on here was again talking about Star Wars. You know, it's it like it's uh, I go to you for comic books, and uh, you seem to go to me for Star Wars. So, like, here we go. We we are one complete Disney Plus package. <laughs> Oh my gosh! For uh, for those of you who aren't in the know, who haven't uh, listened to the other episodes that Jesse has been on so far, um, I have been friends with Jesse for, gosh, for over ten years now, which is crazy to me. We met in college uh, during uh, while we were both in the theater program, and we have been friends for a very long time and jesse is also an actor and performer he's a wonderful human being and also a mega nerd so he is within the right company um i want to ask you jesse i might have asked this last time but just for our newer listeners uh how are you introduced to, to star wars and do you have like a favorite star wars anything whether it be like a comic book a character a movie video game whatever um so I don't exactly remember the moment I was introduced to Star Wars. I just know that Star Wars has just been a very big part of my life, whether I realized it or not. Um, like starting off with, um, when it comes to the movies, my biggest memories are uh, my dad. Uh, my, we were eating at this barbecue place that no longer exists anymore. Uh, but they had this contest and we were the last people to submit for that contest before they did the drawing. And it was to, uh, it was like free tickets to watch, uh, attack of the clones. Nice. And, and so like, and we, and we won. And so like, and I got to get out of school for it and everything. It was amazing. So like, that's a big part of like, that's a big part of my memories of when it comes to Star Wars. I had tons of Star Wars video games growing up on PC, uh, whether it was Dark Forces, uh, the original Pod Racer, and like even Rebel Assault Two, which was like a weird one where it's like like real actors in like it was it was a really weird type of gaming that was very prevalent at that time. And then like going on through high school, like my I guess we talked one time to my teacher about uh, like lightsabers and then she proceeded to ask every weekend if we had lightsaber battles it's like no that was just one time <laughs> that's besides the point <laughs> and and so like from then on it's just like huge star wars nerd comic books my favorite one there's this series called dark times i haven't finished it but i want to so bad mm. uh it's ba- basically one of our like first intro like one of my first introductions to like the dark times, like what happens between episode three and episode four and a Jedi surviving that time. And it was really cool. And I highly recommend that series. Is that legends? Oh, that's, that's, that's legends. That's full on legends. Now a lot of like, I, uh, a lot of the stuff that I really liked about Jedi are like legends. Now 
but the but since then there has been a lot of stuff they added to the Jedi lore that I've liked very much. Us uh, yeah. that is canon, and they've they've covered a lot of stuff between episodes three and four now that it feels like that comic would fit right in. Oh yeah, and it like and it's I feel like the Dark Times that Dark Times comic could still fit in in the lore, mm-hmm. just because I don't see anything that has like disproved it like there was a book series i read uh coruscant nights that i absolutely love that book series it was like it was a trilogy and yet another again jedi surviving order 66 but the very first chapter was his master dying in order 66 but what that is no way possible to be canon now because that jedi master died in the middle of the clone wars uh in current canon Mm, okay do you the episode of the citadel uh the little goblin guy oh yeah 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 uh he was the jedi master in the first chapter oh interesting and, and so the story is about his apprentice mm. surviving order 66 and it was super cool oh, i mean I, I think if they just tweak it a little bit it could still but you know they, they... on the planet they full-on took his body like he's full-on dead took his body put it into lava i don't think there's any coming out of that (laughs) the citadel was like oh this man is dead (laughs) so speaking of lava i'm gonna put you in the hot seat here we've got seven shows to talk about we are going to be ranking them from worst to best and right out the gate I don't necessarily think that there have been any just outright awful shows amongst these. Mm-mm. There have been, you know, they've been from like fine to great, I think. And yeah, you listener following along, these are the seven shows we're going to be talking about. So Mandalorian season one, Mandalorian season two, Clone Wars season seven, The Bad Batch, Boba Fett, Star Wars Visions, and Obi-Wan Kenobi. So that's seven shows that we're going to be ranking from seven to one. And I recognized after setting this up with Jesse and after making this ranking, by the end of the year, we're going to have at least one more show. Because I think Andor's coming in. Oh, Andor's coming out later this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably should have done this then, but... It's it's fine. It's fine. We'll just do another episode and throw in Andor. We're like I said, this is going to be an annual tradition, so this will be the cutoff. We'll we'll make June the cutoff for every. Uh, <laughs> it, it's like the Oscars having just this weird like window of when you can and can't release stuff to be considered. Like it it boggles the mind that we are approaching like Emmy season, and they're like, "Hey, have you guys heard of this hit new show, Arcane, for your consideration?" And I'm like, "Guys, this was I mean, that was absolutely. so long ago." <laughs> Absolutely, give it all the awards, but like that was so long ago, guys. What are we doing? Yeah. Agreed. So we're gonna do that now. We're 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 gonna be the uh, we're gonna have that weird award season uh, window of time. But I am very excited to get this list out. I am curious to see how much we agree and disagree because I know that specifically with Star Wars, you and I get certain things differently out of the franchise so it's gonna be quite interesting basically what we're gonna do 
is I'm going to go for my number seven. Jess is going to go for his number seven, back and forth, back and forth until we get to one. And we'll be talking about the shows at length. We'll be talking about what we liked, what we didn't like. Um, There may be, and I should probably put this out now, there may be spoilers. So if you have not watched all of these shows, it's fine. We're not going to try and dig too deep. We're not going to be like, all right, at minute 24 in episode seven, we it's not going to be that. We come ex- across Gene's guy who got edited out, Gene's Gene Pants guy who got edited out like two days later. That oh, poor man. <laughs> but no, we'll, we'll be talking about the shows. We'll be talking about what we liked, what we didn't like and all of that stuff. So without further ado, Jesse, let's dive into this. So. Okay. Hold on to your butts. Here we go. At number seven, ranked seven for me, it's Boba Fett. Okay, cool. We're on the same page. Okay, okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Boba Fett, the basic premise behind the show, uh, Boba Fett, after returning in Mandalorian season two, spoilers, I guess, uh, is now taking on the entirety of Jabba the Hutt's criminal empire in Tatooine and is running into all of the problems that go alongside that. Thankfully, he is accompanied by Fennec Shan, the greatest bounty hunter in the galaxy. That's still she, oh my gosh, she is she's so good. She's oh so my good. gosh. And, and 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 like him and her are in the parks now? Did you know that? I didn't know that. No, they're in the parks. It's oh, so no. cool. And I want to go to like the park so bad just to see them and just, well, just like fawn over Fennec Shan and how great of a bounty hunter she is. She's such a boss. God, I love me. No, when she's so good. Um, but this series, which lasted for seven episodes, is it going to get a season two? No, I don't think so. Personally. Uh, I, 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 I want it to, but I don't think really, I don't, think it will just because i don't like like in europe like just like not enough people liked it and were on board with it yeah and so i don't think it'll get a season two but i do i i i wouldn't mind (laughs) (laughs) i i liked the concept of course i absolutely love the fact that we had a mainline star wars anything that features two asian leads like, that's a big deal. Yeah. But the show, ultimately, for what it accomplished across its seven episodes, we didn't necessarily need it. Like, narratively, we could have wrapped this up in maybe two or three episodes of Mandalorian Season 3. For what <laughs> they accomplished? For what they accomplished, this was essentially like Mandalorian 2.5. This was the stopgap between season two and season three, which I don't know about yeah, you, but I kind of expected has... this to be when they announced like in the show, like the book of Boba Fett. I'm like, okay, so this is like, you know, Spartacus gods of the arena. This is the stopgap between season one and season two of the hit stars show Spartacus <laughs> blood and sand. I figured it was going to be, just a quick, simple thing, a little stopgap, and then we were going to continue on with the Mandalorian stuff. Because I don't know how much narrative potential there is for Boba Fett in the current climate when it comes to Star Wars. With this show, okay. I felt like they they told the story that they needed to tell, and that's why I don't think they're going to get a second season. But also, I 
do not like how they treated Fennec Shand. We're just gushing over how good she is. And I don't think she got as much play as she should have. Agreed. Personally, I think uh, you could they, they, they use they used they used the time that they should have used on Fennec Shand on other characters. Correct. That all like I feel like Boba has the same problem of the sequels of like the, the movie sequels of yes. just like too many lost potential. Like there's so many, there's so much potential for these characters mm-hmm. and they didn't, they didn't get to live up to their full potential. Yeah, I agree. And I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm still a little bummed that there were certain things about it that I really, cause I, I adore the kind of budding, friendship between boba and fennec but i wish that we had gotten more time with them as characters because it felt like the plot was moving too quickly for them to really Mm -hmm. establish anything between each other like my favorite interactions were the flashback episode when the two of them are meeting each other and they're taking you know they're taking the uh the ship for the first time i'm like that's awesome like let's let's get more of that, please. But the rest of it's basically like, all right, we got to ship Boba and Fennec over here. Okay, now we got to ship them over here. And I, it didn't feel like we got enough with Boba himself as the title character. He felt a little outshined by the supporting cast because I was more yeah. interested in those journeys. Well, and like the only, the only time I was super interested in Boba Fett was during his flashbacks, not his current yeah. state totally agree and and so like it like i wish this season would have been like a collection of those flashbacks of him going through the tuscan raiders and then uh, like and then coming across fennec shan and then developing that that relationship that that you've been uh like referring to and then season two would have been the whole ordeal of all this uh, of like what we saw in that episode yeah that would have been interesting too like as and a then, and then you could focus on everything more you could focus right. on all those characters and and like not have to worry about setting everything like setting up boba and fennec as yeah. a like as a as a duo well and i think it would have been interesting to kind of treat this as more of a like a uh, a, a prologue or a prequel to season two of the mandalorian showing how he got to this point, showing him linking up with her and almost because they're, they're not like a huge part of Mandalorian season two. They do show up in multiple episodes, but they're not super focused on. So having this almost be like the B story of like what was happening to them during season two of Mandalorian. And this season finale can be like all the events that lead up to uh, Mandalorian season two when they show up. Yeah, it's, and, and they are, I think they they are correcting themselves in that regard with Andor since it's basically they they've basically said it's going to be two seasons and it's going to lead him directly into the events of Rogue One which I'm totally down for. I'm very excited for that show. Don't get me wrong. I I hope I I hope I like Andor through this show. Because Fair. I I he was the one I cared for the least, but like he was pivotal to the story and so like I hope this these two seasons i'm like okay i should not give him as much flack as i as i did (laughs) well and you know what i'm actually really excited about that show that boba fett kind of falters in is that he hopefully he's not going to spend any time on tatooine 
because I agree with Anakin. <laughs> I am tired of Tatooine. I am tired of sand. It's coarse. It's rough. It gets everywhere. And but not you. You're no, soft, smooth. Wait, what? Exactly. What? And so, what? Uh, but. <laughs> Even though there, I felt like there was really good world building, there was kind of a poor payoff because you're experiencing all this stuff, but you aren't able to really capitalize on it because it's like we have to fit into what Tatooine is. And Tatooine has a very specific and established aesthetic. And it, well, I, I feel like it could have been better if it was on a different world that we could explore. Well, I... I kind of liked exploring Tatooine more, but that's just me just because like, I don't know, I connect a lot with Tatooine and living in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, (laughs) And, and so like, there's that, but then like I, the, the, like our version of a season two where like they take over their part of Tatooine, Hmm. then, then I feel like if this is going to be like a criminal organization that is as big as Jabba, then season two, then then season two, we can finally take off from Tatooine and go el- and like ha- and like have stories elsewhere. Absolutely, I would have loved so- if they treated it like you know that canceled Boba Fett video game, and they took them to the underbellies of like modern Coruscant. Oh like, my gosh! So cool. I but to see, you know, it's like maybe in the so future. Bad. But one thing I did enjoy about them sticking on Tatooine, we got to see our boycott fan. Yeah, the Marshal! We got the Marshal, and not only that, we also got the live-action debut of Cad Bane, which I did absolutely love. Literal chills. (laughs) And seeing them together, they were wonderful. Oh my god! It's just, oh, it's so good. Like the the ultimate, like the ultimate yeehaw outlaw of yep. Star Wars versus the the yeehaw marshal. It's just like it's so western, but so good. It's not ah, oh, I loved it so much. It's so so good. <laughs> and so, everyone's favorite deputy, you know him. Yeah, whose name everyone knows. Yep, super famous dude that everyone liked. Ex- Especially Cad Bane. Yep. Loved that fellow. Yep. Good guy. Good guy. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> Boba Fett as a whole was kind of a mixed bag. There are things we liked, things we didn't like. Um, if I had to narrow it down to one favorite episode, I think episode five, which is called Chapter Five, Return of the Mandalorian, is probably my favorite, which again, to my point, my favorite episode of the Mandalorian or of <laughs> Boba Fett does not feature Boba Fett within the episode. And it I feel sucks like that's because complete... it's true. <laughs> and like having having uh, Mando returned in Jaren doing his thing as this kind of like lone wandering samurai who's like given up his child and not really sure of what direction to go in. Having that plus obviously the the uh, I don't know if it was in this episode or the next episode, but having that Cad Bane reveal, I mean, what more could you ask for? So that was my favorite episode. Did you have a favorite episode in Boba Fett? Uh, it sadly, the ones involving the Mandalorian, uh, <laughs> our, our boy, our boy, Din, like if, if you have Din and Cobb 
in an episode. It's just, mwah, just what I love those boys. So and, since we, uh, since we both agreed on number seven, do you have any final thoughts on uh, Boba Fett? I think we already went over all the stuff that I this like there. Just like I, I like the world building that was establishing more of like more, defining Tatooine more, and yeah. like they even and like I like that it's not just all lawlessness as we saw with Cobb. Like there's there are some people still trying to be law like trying to do like the good fight of just trying to be a good person and yeah. i think that's really like seeing that side seeing the pikes versus ugh. but uh and uh, the whole cantina was a cool thing and then and then things happened yep <sighs> so many thoughts yeah but, but i will but yeah. say i will say i am forever oh, grateful for boba fett for giving us Star Wars Power Rangers. Gosh dang it, I knew you, I like I was like, oh, there's one thing we haven't talked about yet that you keep on making fun of me about. The cyborg Power Rangers were my favorite part of this entire show. And I am sad that we did not get more story with them. I that they are a good example of there was potential there and they wasted it, and so they just became glorified Power Rangers. Yep. I love it. I love it so much. And I, I, I wish them. No, they got ugh, their their speeder bikes should have been customized to each one. They and, have to, They were each customized with a different color, just like the Power Rangers. I hate this. <laughs> isn't there a uh, isn't there a show but called I The love... Rangers of the Republic coming or something? Uh, it's not going to be them. Okay, could be. <laughs> No, it could be. No, that that's the one that was. They were rumored to like. Isn't Hera going to be in that one? Can you imagine Hera leading the Cyborg Power Rangers? No! Oh no. my gosh! No! That would, God. that would shoot straight to the top of the list for me. <laughs> I love that. Make it happen. <laughs> Specter Power Rangers. Yes. So we're going to mosey right along to number six. Um, my number six, and this is probably where we're going to diverge. My number six is the newest show, Obi-Wan Kenobi. <gasps> really? Yes. yes. I was shocked myself when I was putting this list together. Oh, that's um, interesting. Again, this isn't saying that Obi-Wan Kenobi is bad. It is just my personal ranking. If you want to send hate to me, send it to uh, support at amazon.com. Specifically. <laughs> I will get them and I will read them. Um, Obi-Wan Kenobi premises, I believe it's 10 years before yes. A New Hope. Um, Obi-Wan uh, is Tatooine. It's 10 years, it 10 right? Year, is it 10 years is it 10 years after? Was it 10 years after episode three or is it 10 years before New Hope? It's one of them. I, th I, th I thought it was I thought it was like 10 years later. You're probably right. Yeah, because the, because the kids are 10. That's right. They say that Leia's 10. OK, so it's 10 years after episode three and Obi-Wan's hanging out on Tatooine, our favorite desert planet, uh, when he <laughs> is contacted 
by an old friend because he needs a favor. Someone has been kidnapped and he needs to go rescue them. So Obi-Wan Kenobi ran for six episodes. It just wrapped up. Uh, is it going to get a season two? Maybe. We don't yeah, that, that, know. That one, I would actually be happy either way. Same. I don't think we necessarily need it. But if they have a compelling story, sure. I am all on board because Ewan McGregor reprising his role as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Absolutely. Yes, please. absolutely. And so this was for me a big, a big thing because this show featured the return of the Kings plural, that being Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen back on the screens together. Yes. It was absolutely magic. Uh, and the best part about it for me, we finally left Tatooine. It was beautiful. The show there, we ended the show there. That's fine. The rest of it didn't even touch a lick of sand on that planet. I was yeah. very excited. Uh, and, when we we, also- and when we got off planet, we got to see Ian McGregor's daughter. Yeah, we got to see Leia Organa as a little baby ten-year-old, as well as Ewan McGregor's so actual daughter trying to sell him some death sticks. I was really sad. Really sad. We get a, you don't want it to sell me any death sticks. <laughs> but overall, I enjoyed the show a lot. I mean, the nostalgia factor mm-hmm. is absolutely there. Um, though I will say the the show was paced a little strangely for me. It felt okay. like they were trying to accomplish different things at different times. And I wish that more emphasis was placed just on Obi-Wan and Anakin. Because... I felt personally that even though the premise set up for them was really cool, the Inquisitors as a group, as an organization, didn't really improve the story very much. And I, as a viewer personally, and and we can agree and disagree on different things, um, I felt like the promise of Reva as a character wasn't fulfilled by the end of the show. There were specific choices that were made by the character. And this is not to say that uh, the actress gave it a bad performance. I don't think that at all. I thought she was phenomenal. But the writing for her was not great. And I felt like... It was a a little weird. Yeah. And you could have accomplished a lot of what she did with just focusing on Vader. Because ultimately, that's what the show is built around. It's Vader and Obi-Wan. Um, and again, I, I, I said it before, I don't really think that it necessarily needs a season two, but if they give us a season two, I won't be mad about it. That being said, I think the special aura of Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan has perhaps dimmed a little bit now that we've gotten him returning after all these years. And I've, I've seen the, the argument being made on Twitter that Star Wars doesn't feel as special as it used to be when it was like an event one movie every couple years. And now we're getting almost the Marvel treatment where it's like star Wars is just kind of being pumped out. Mm. That being said, I thought the show as an event was very cool. I liked the, I mean, the fight choreography was fantastic. We got some great acting from a phenomenal. cast. The world building was really solid. I think the, the fact that we spent time on different planets made it feel more like a Star Wars, a classic Star Wars adventure. And also mm-hmm. the fact that it 
it addressed the trauma of Obi-Wan that we don't really talk about ever at any time I thought was really cool. Um, it felt like part of the wider universe. And even though this was strictly like squarely in the, you know, in the subject matter of the Skywalker saga, it didn't feel like a Skywalker saga story. It felt truly like an Obi-Wan Kenobi story where he was the mainstay. He was the focus. And we got to process that with him alongside, you know, meeting Leia and talking to all these people. Um, it, it was, it was a good show. It was a very good show that I think, had specific problems here and there it wasn't perfect i didn't expect it to be but i had a lot of fun with it the fight choreography was also fantastic um and it gave an incredibly satisfying ending to the show the finale the season finale <clears throat> perhaps series finale we don't really know was very very good i enjoyed it a lot um uh, my favorite episode of the show uh episode five part five was for me the best part of the entire thing it opened up on a flashback that should have started the entire show and it should have like the entire show should have felt like what episode five was and i think i would have been it would have ranked higher for me again i'm not saying the show sucks i'm not saying it's bad it's fair amount of leagues above where boba fett is so <laughs> yeah. it's still a very good show that I enjoyed a lot, but uh, for the reasons that I've stated, it is sitting at number six for me. So Man, with, you, with you talking about it like this, like I may put it down a peg or two on my list. Well, and, and feel free, like we're allowed to disagree with each other on stuff. Cause again, I said at the oh, top, like you no. get different things out of this. No, so but, like the stuff you're, the stuff you're pointing out is right. I, I was, I was like, there was only like when the biggest gripe, which apparently like, it sounds like it's your gripe too, is that the inquisitors are kind of a distraction. They feel like it, which sucks. And, and, and what sucks is that, that, that distraction actually took me out of it a little bit. Um, especially in like the first in the first couple of episodes and then i was distracted by that by a question that i had until the very end i was like oh there's the answer yeah and i think if we had gotten maybe more of a through line with those characters because i think the promise of reva's character as a youngling who survived the massacre at the jedi temple and was indoctrinated into the inquisitors is a fascinating character but the time isn't given to flesh that character out instead of it just being angry person who is pursuing Kenobi. And once we get past the point that she actually needs to be pursuing Kenobi, it kind of falters on, okay, why do we have this character here for the rest of the show? But again, that's just me. Yeah. And well, and like, uh, for those of the, for those that have seen the show, the grand inquisitor was the big question in the back of my brain throughout the series. 100 percent. that that was that was my big distraction that took me out of the show a little bit because all of a sudden it's like is this in continuity what happened here what's yeah, like, going like, on wait this hap this happens like like what, this happens way before rebels so like what is going on <laughs> yeah so again it was it wasn't as tightly um you know tightly told a story as I think it could have been. Um, however, again, nostalgia is a hell of a drug. So it is absolutely, I think, you know, deserving of 
a place, you know, obviously above Boba Fett. But for me, I got more out of the other shows that are going to be on the list. So that is my number six. Jesse, what is your number six? My number six was uh, Visions. Nice. Uh, And and it's like, like, well, I guess some of the episodes, but like overall, the series was amazing. And like some of this, some of the stuff that was in that show, I wish was canon. Like I wish or hope that it becomes canon. Yeah, I was going to say, we don't know that it's not. And I'm just going to spoil it here. That's my number five. So that's the next one. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, basic premise of the show, right, is that this is an anthology series, an animated anthology, nine episodes. Each episode is a different uh, is a different anime studio. We've got Kamikaze Doga, Studio Colorido, Gino Studio, Trigger, Kinema Citrus, Production IG, and Science Saru. Each one handled a different episode. It felt new. And is it getting a season two? Hell yes, it is. And I'm very excited about it. I so, hope some of them are continuations of these stories because I, like, I, I, I want so much to, to, to see some of these characters again. So bad. 100%. So what worked for you in, in this show? Uh, I, like it's, it, it was a refreshing sight. Uh, like into Star Wars in like a, a different perspective that like I felt like Star Wars should be like very diverse and like and like it shouldn't all kind of fall under the same thing because it's a whole galaxy like there's going to be all right. sorts of different cultures and beliefs and and like I I felt like we got a little bit of that in um in this series like of of different beliefs about the Jedi or just about the force in general. Uh, and I just, I just really, I loved that so much. And like, I, I love when they, when they look into, uh, like different perspectives of like, uh, it's, uh, man, it's just also beautiful. And like, my favorite is, uh, my favorite is the village bride. Oh yeah. Let's talk about these episodes then. Yeah village bride absolute rules well because the village bride is is like an example of like what i really like about this series of just like they this is a whole culture that sees sees and uses the force very differently than than what we've seen before and so stinking cool and i love the jedi character so much Yes, 100%. And I think that's what makes, like you said, the show sing as much as it does. It's building out the universe. It is not all just, you know, white guys running around the universe fighting each other with light swords. Like, there is a certain amount of, when, especially when you get into kind of the modern era of Star Wars, there's a certain amount of sameness. It's like, okay, we're telling the story about the same kinds of characters and in this show, Star Wars finally feels new. Like we're experiencing different characters, different cultures, different belief systems, all of this stuff. And the argument has been made, and maybe, you know, we can speak on this. Maybe Star Wars works best in animation. Maybe it's just, it's built better for animation than live action. I don't know, because it was built as a live action universe, but the amount of stuff that you can do with it in animation, especially in the last few years, has really kind of directed my mindset towards that. Uh, either that or live action needs to step up. 
<laughs> they both meet the same the same uh endpoint. We we do need like we do need to continue seeing um animation as an integral part of Star Wars because it's given us very beautiful things from there that um that it, right now I don't see as possible in live action. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's it's funny because it was a weird marriage that I never thought about putting Star Wars and anime together. Because I've been, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, I've been a weeb for most of my life. And I've never thought to myself, you know, it'd be really cool. Star Wars, but make it anime. And when they announced this, I was like, oh, man, this could go really wrong. This could be really bad. But as the, you know, as the cast lists came out, as the animation studios came out, I was like, no, they're taking this seriously. This is going to be a loving homage to not just Star Wars, but also anime as a genre. And I think it's so cool seeing it blended in that way because you don't, you get stories and you get characters and you get cultures that you don't often see in the films or even in these shows fully on display here now i will say not all episodes are created equal there is a varied amount of quality between episodes there's episodes where i have just no cares to give about the the, I, i will just i will say two words and i will say my piece the twins I can't get behind that episode. Yeah, that, 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 that one definitely can't, could not be canon if it tried. Not even uh, if it wanted to. Yeah, like that. Yeah, and it, yeah, I didn't really care for that one. And then there was one I cared a little bit more, but not that much. Uh, I'm just going to call it Jedi Mega Man. Okay, that's fair. But I really, because I love <laughs> I love Mega Man, so I'm like, I'm there, slash Astro Boy. You get it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I, I enjoyed it, but there's, like, I don't see that as being canon. Like, I, I don't know if that could be, if that could be canon. But what's nice but, about the show is that it doesn't have to be. All of yeah. these episodes can be in canon, but they don't necessarily need to be. They can still be legends they could be stories told around a campfire and they work just as well which i really really dig um you already mentioned uh your favorite episode which was the village bride my favorite episode was the one that immediately told me oh this is going to be something special and that is right out the gate episode one the duel oh my gosh so good (laughs) When I started this series, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch an episode. If it's not for me, I'm going to jump off. After watching this episode, I blitzed through half of the series. Like I I binge watched the entire series after that. Once he ignites the lightsaber, I was like, I am hooked for the rest of this series. You've got me. You've got me here. (laughs) For me specifically, because there is there's always been a disconnect with me and star Wars, because if you look, especially at the early star Wars films and maybe not so much in the prequels in the modern age, but I challenge you listener, watch the original trilogy and name me specifically name me five characters of Asian descent in those films. Give me their names and their plot importance. You can't. 
And that's always been kind of a, a weird thing for me with Star Wars, because, you know, mm-hmm. being an Asian American, being somebody who, like any person of color, loves seeing people who represent them on screen. That's not exactly something that I always had with Star Wars. I love the characters. I love the world building. I love everything about it. But it would be nice to have an Asian Jedi running around. Who knows, man? You know, but, it'd be pretty great. It'd be pretty great. And you know what? Star Wars Visions looked at me and they're like, hey, we know you've been waiting on this for damn near 30 years. We got Don't worry, you. Boo. Don't worry, Boo. I got you. <laughs> the first episode be about a Ronin showing up to a very East Asian inspired village and then just going full Kurosawa for the entire episode. I'm like, I am in love. I love this so much. Though I do want to give, and I don't remember the exact name of it, but I do want to give special consideration and an honorable mention to episode two, which is the Battle of the Bands. I love that episode to death. Okay, that one is great. And like, that one is on the cusp of, is it too ridiculous? to be canon and to make not an be, entire series by itself would i be mad if it was canon no not even a would it bit. be canon maybe but i want to see more of it <laughs> like and that's the best part about it is that it being an anthology series there is room to tell more stories whether it's within the universe whether it's within these characters you know there's a I I don't know I don't remember what the episode's called I don't know if it's it's the thirteenth Jedi or the ninth Jedi like ninth that Jedi episode, the idea of like oh the the Kyber mines and like oh, the like lightsaber smith lightsaber smith is so stinking cool and like the, the how how the like how the lightsabers react to like the giant like that's how you feel and like that feels color is represented like. That it's feels so world. Jedi. That feels so feels Jedi. Too. Like, God, so good. It feels like they're introducing stuff that we'd never seen before, which I really, really love. And I just, I, I dig it. I dig it a lot. Yeah, and uh, like that, that feels like such like a Jedi journey of like your your lightsaber adapting to you. Like the 100%. lightsaber, like like the lightsaber crystal is is reacting to you, and so it's like that symbiotic like relationship. Oh, it builds that bond. It's not just a weapon. It's part of you, which is what they've always, you know, preach. But we very seldomly actually see put into practice. Agreed. Except like only in like Clone Wars. uh, Yes. With the with the the younglings going through the trial. That's like literally the only time. And then after that, we don't really see it. So wrapping up our. Wrapping up our number five, Jesse. What is your number five? My num my number five is uh, Bad Batch. Interesting. Okay. Like like there's nothing bad. There's not like I don't. There's not really any issues that I have with Bad Batch. That's just how I put it there in the ranking. Just because so there's you... there's stuff that I like more. For sure. So can you give uh, the listeners a brief premise on the Bad Batch? Okay, so Bad Batch is a a group of clones that they're genetically different than normal clones for whatever reason. Uh, you have Wolverine, I mean Hunter, uh, who has like... Drag him, very... drag him. 
who who has like extra like he's he's really good at tracking things because he has like heightened sense uh he has heightened senses there is uh wrecker who's just like big bulky boy there is uh there's tech who's just like he's he's not as physically he's not physically like the other clones he's kind of smaller but he is he has like a higher uh intellect than them than the than the normal clone there is shoot why can i not, not think of the sniper's name crosshairs crosshairs who's also kind of slender but like dead like just that bullseye aim the most op character in that show like, like it's ridiculous yeah, like like hawkeye as a clone or or bullseye as a clone bullseye, straight up yeah and then oh, shoot what's his name uh he's the one that wasn't originally uh he wasn't originally a cold force 99 Oh, God, that's going to bother me. I'm going to look that up. Vamp! Yep. While we're looking up his name, he was not originally part of uh, Clone Force 99, but because of his, like, cybernetic implants, he, he has specializations that, like, help Clone Force 99 immensely. And so they're a special squad, like, of kind of like, they're almost clone commandos, but they're special forces that are sent to do what a, a battalion can't. And then it starts off... Echo! Echo! He was a he was a he, he was a made stay from Clone Wars. Yep. Uh, yeah, like you, you see him in Clone Wars and he comes back uh in uh in Bad Batch and it's just a the, the ultimate team. They're excellent. And it starts off with everyone's favorite point in time, Order 66. Order 66, baby. And uh and what happens when not all clones follow that order? And then they eventually come across a special clone that's very important to the ca- uh, the uh which is uh, her name is uh, Omega, and or she Omega. is oh yeah, it, depending on the accent, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she is a cl- she is also a clone, but uh, we're still figuring out what her purpose originally was. And it's it's so so stinking cool. It has my favorite in the first episode. They start off with my favorite boy, Your Caleb boy Dune. Jairus. Caleb Dune and him surviving Order sixty six. It's so sad and so good. Oh god. Uh, yeah. There's so so much good with that series, and I cannot wait for a season two. Yes, because and, we know it's getting season two. And Bad Batch is actually the show that I hooked my mom into watching the animated, like all the animated Star Wars series from. Oh, that's awesome. Hell yeah. She absolutely absolutely loved Bad Batch. And she's like, okay. And like, and then there was the questions that came. It's like, okay, you know what? Let's go. Let's go to Rebels. No, no, no. We're start from the beginning. We're going to Clone Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Got to start with the Clone Wars. Got to do it. Got to make sure the continuity stays intact. Well, because like things won't make sense in Rebels unless you watch Clone Wars. So it's just like you know what, just just watch Clone Wars. Just watch Clone Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have uh, do you have a favorite episode for the Bad Batch? Uh, I I like mm, okay. Outside of Caleb Dune, uh, my favorite episode. <laughs> it doesn't have to be outside. It's your list, man. Well, it's like I I just love that I've just loved seeing my boy Caleb Dune and and just seeing just seeing all of that go down and and like finally seeing clones due to whatever reasons not following that order. 
Yeah. And and how they react, like not just Jedi reacted to the situation, but like and just, like clones reacted to the situation of like what the crap is going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's 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 a it's a very awesome perspective that I can't wait to see more of. Hell yeah. I'll talk a little bit about Bad Batch when we get to it on my list, but yeah, it's it's a great show. So that's your number five. That's my number five. Wonderful. So moving on to number four, uh, my number four is The Mandalorian Season 2. Really? Yes. Yes. I went over the numbers. I cross-checked them. I pulled out my <laughs> abacus. And at the end, Mandalorian Season 2 is my number four. Um, premise for the show, it's more of the same. More of what you know about The Mandalorian, but even bigger and badder. Uh, it's eight episodes long. Are we getting a season three? Hell yes, we are. And <laughs> what was wonderful about this show is that it matched the hype. The hype around a season two for The Mandalorian with how much people adore this, the first season was going to be insurmountable. And somehow they achieved it. They decided we're going to make this feel big we're gonna make this feel grand we're going to take mando and have him join the wider star wars universe and how are we gonna do that instead of random uh episodic uh adventures for our boy the mandalorian we're gonna have him fight the empire Classic <laughs> <Star Wars. laughs> uh, this show is i think as iconic as the movies at this point at least in my perspective um, it's kind of led the charge when it comes to Star Wars on the small screen. And in season two, they decided, you know what? One Mandalorian is enough. We're going to give you a bunch of them. Uh, we brought in Boba Fett, who was making his return uh, that led off into the Boba Fett series. And he was absolutely terrifying in these first couple episodes. Yes, he was. Uh, oh, my gosh. Ties to the Clone Wars. We got Ahsoka. We got Bo-Katan. We got... Yes. All of these guys for the larger Star Wars universe that made it. It's basically the call up to the main roster. It's the, all right, now uh, Shang-Chi has had his movie. Now he's going to go off and meet Wong and everybody else. Like it's all right, kid, you're getting called up to the big leagues. And that's what this season felt like. Um, this was also really cool. Cause we got to see the journey of Grogu. Um, Grogu or baby Yoda as people still mostly know him as uh, was more of a plot point than a character in the first season. Well, they decided, you know what? We're going to give him pathos. We're going to make him a little shit when he's eating those frog eggs. <laughs> and we're going to give him an arc, which continued on into his appearances in Boba Fett and having him having the journey of Din and Grogu be this, more of a father-son connection than even what we got in the first season was fantastic. And with mm -hmm. the show as a second season, it was an upgrade on almost every level. The, uh, the story was more intense. The connections to past Star Wars was more broad and more um, overt. The storytelling was more epic in scale. And as the show went along, it, has i think become the flagship star wars property for the 2020s agreed agreed and it's it's holding that and it's so crazy to think like this season two was in 2020 
this dropped right at the beginning of the pandemic and it was what a lot of people held on to during that time with a lot you know i know i clung to a lot of my my fiction and my fandoms during that period and this was that for a lot of people and in that way i don't think mandalorian season two is ever going to be topped on a on a emotional investment level with everything that's happened in that story and the world around it as it was going on um it's a phenomenal show it it, again i'm not taking anything away from it from being at number four it is wonderful storytelling uh my favorite episode surprise surprise it's episode five the jedi um i like how yours is always episode five uh, for some reason man (laughs) episode five they know what they're doing they know what they're doing you're right i didn't even think about that but this is third episode five on my list it's you know it rules it is basically hey let's this was my first introduction to hey maybe let's take star wars but make it kurosawa where with the black and white jedi opening the fact that this is a very asian inspired story an asian inspired setting it comes down to essentially a samurai duel they they fight above a koi pond what more do you want from me it is wonderful (laughs) it also introduced us to live action ahsoka for the first time which i Mm. will say as somebody who absolutely adores that character in animation i'm still not sold on yet i'm not sold on the rosario dawson's ahsoka i don't think she's bad but i i need to see more before i really sign off did you see that they changed her design they they gave her like longer longer lenses the, yeah. the ones that match the animation finally which like, i did oh. like that i did like seeing that i'm like okay so we're we're making tweaks here and i think that's all literally all it needs is just little tweaks here and there mm-hmm. because she's, she obviously loves the character people have been fan casting her as the character for years and you can tell that it means a lot to her i think she just needs to get more comfortable with the character itself and i'm hoping that she it, does uh, that it's as if different. she needs her own show weird <laughs> weird <laughs> but I'm, I'm so very excited for her show i'm glad to see her in live action i'm Same. excited to see where that character goes but yeah episode five the jedi i thought was phenomenal from start to finish there are other very good episodes in that series as well but for me that one stood out the most so that is my number four jesse what is your number four uh <laughs> because of our discussion way early in this podcast uh obi-wan got moved down all oh the way to the interesting okay it was it was higher in the list and it got moved down to four interesting is there anything else you want to you want to talk about it or cover uh shoot i i had all these things planned and they went right out my brain um <laughs> I, I it's just i i really love that show um and just uh there's there are a couple of scenes that like really i love how they are continuing the show the the scariness of darth vader yes absolutely agree and it's it like we thought rogue one was scary Oof. like like fasten your seatbelts because this is this is the wildest ride in the wilderness when it comes to like seeing uh, darth vader being scary yeah, there's a moment in episode five where I'm just like, oh, my God, the amount of power that he's shown to have. It's crazy. 
And it, oh, there's there's one scene in particular in the finale that like makes me very very sad and afraid at the same time. And yep. like I don't know if we want to talk about that because of spoilers, but uh, but yeah, that there's one moment there uh that like it's just like so chilling and it's just like makes me so sad but it's so good (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it's you know i i think that we you know we're we're trying not to go super deep into spoilers but i think we could talk about that a little bit like it's because i don't think a single person who hasn't watched the show isn't expecting a duel between obi-wan and vader at some point the, so i don't the, think that's a spoiler to say hey they fight a little bit oh well the the fight is not what i'm talking about the oh it's the, it's, it's dialogue that happens after the fight oh okay i see what you're saying yeah yeah so i, I don't know if we want to delve into that because like it's so good it's so sad uh but you know what? oh I'm 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 gonna say yes. I gave the spoiler warning at the top. We'll we'll talk about it. The the half mask moment. Yes. Like it was oh. it was it was so chilling and sad to just to see like you see both Vader and Anakin and just that like that slow uh, just like hearing both James Earl Jones and Hayden Christensen at the same time was just like very chilling. And I, and it was, oh man, it was so good. And like the, and then finally, like you see, you see, like, oh, the cinematography of this scene of just like, he starts off in blue of which just like, of like, Obi-Wan, you didn't kill him. You didn't kill Anakin. I did. And then yeah. as he says that you, 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 you see the red wash over his face. It's just like, <laughs> no, Anakin, why? And it's just like, oh that that scene was so good it's 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 stuff like that that brings obi-wan like higher on the list for me yeah um, i get it just just emotional pull and uh and emotional us damage it, yeah and like and like you talking about like animation like bringing the full power of the force like to life uh, we start to see that in in the finale of Obi-Wan with yeah. like sticking Obi-Wan just being like, here are bol- you want boulders? Here are boulders. It's just like just like flinging at it, flinging at him. I'm just like, we've never seen this in any of the movies before. And this is amazing. That fight is terrifying. For and, sure. and, oh, OK. That fight and Darth Vader versus Reva. Like just just Vader being like using the f- not not a single lightsaber until the very end of just like nope 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 just using the force to nope her lightsaber attacks <laughs> just yeah, that, incredible uh, and scary yeah of just like these these inquisitors have killed jedi so they are very powerful people oh, and easily and and vader is just like <laughs> this is this is what is this you're playing with like he's just toying with her and it's just like God, Vader is so freaking scary and powerful. Yeah. Uh, God. Okay. That's 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 my that's 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 all I wanted to, to like talk about. Okay. I'm good. <laughs> well, and it's it's interesting to me that like because I I do think that to 
just as a quick thing, ladies and gentlemen, listeners at home, for Jesse, Obi-Wan is his guy. So, like, it's... Obi-Wan is my second guy. Obi's your second guy now. Who who has jumped to your first guy? We've talked about him earlier. Uh, oh, Cobb Van, of course. No. Your boy. No. Uh, Kanan Jarrus. Oh, that's He's right. That's boy. right. That's right. That's right. True. Um, but yeah, Freddie Prince Jr. is Freddie Prince Jr. is my boy. <laughs> but for <laughs> as long as I've known Jesse, Obi Wan has always kind of. When I think of Obi Wan, I think of Jesse, and vice versa. So, like, I was very excited to see what you thought of this, and I'm glad that it hit those emotional beats for you because I think there is a lot there. Absolutely, um, and I hope that if potentially it does get a season two that it addresses some of the complaints that have been levied against it because i think there's so much there there's so much there just in that first season that is super super cool Um, there there is so much there's like eight years worth of time that they could they, they could delve into and and there's so much to play around with totally agree so that's that's your number four correct Mm mm-hmm so hopping down to number three for me, it's the Bad Batch, baby. Bad the Batch, batch is pretty, the Bad Batch is pretty good. I'm surprised <laughs> how high this ranked for me. Like going through this list, I was like, okay, I like it, but okay, I also like it better than that. Oh, I like. Oh, I really like Bad Batch. Oh my <laughs> oh, god. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> well, well, howdy then. All right. Uh, yeah, I absolutely adored this um, 16 episodes, which was great. And this was essentially, like Jesse said earlier, this is the Clone Wars continued. And it being, you know, we've seen a lot of show, a lot of uh, Star Wars properties <laughs> taking place between episodes three and four. Um, but we haven't really explored any Star Wars content that is directly following episode three. Like, what I love so much about this that sets it apart is that it is right smack dab in the middle of a time of change. We see uh, the Empire growing its influence. We see a we see a space currency change, and I have never seen that in any fiction. Yeah, they literally say, "All right, we're changing your currency." I've never seen that in a fiction whether it was historical fantasy or science fiction, it was wild to see they, how they got it. They got to get rid of all that Republic currency because exactly. and just seeing Republic, who is she? I don't know her. It's <laughs> it really, it's fascinating. And I mean, clones are always going to rule like getting D Bradley Baker to just absolutely do the most at all times. A- absolutely. Um, He's wonderful. I took a voice acting workshop with him that was so incredibly informative. And he, there's a reason that he's the guy they go to. Making every single member of not just the Bad Batch, but also the antagonistic clones, different, distinct, and in their own way lovable is incredible. There's also, as Jesse alluded to, um, there's also a little bit of Wolf and Cub. With uh, with Hunter and Omega Omega, uh, which is I think the uh, the backbone of any good Star Wars story is a little bit of Wolf and Cub, but well, it, it's it's not just Wolf and Cub; it's like a whole family. Yeah, because Wreckers, uh, yeah, 
yeah because like you get that you get that in rebels you get that uh, you get that in bad batch and of just like okay like you you have to have mom and dad and then you have to have like the siblings and yeah. obviously omega and wrecker are the siblings yes no question <laughs> that one but they have really you know the the thing that i will say i've really loved about um about modern star wars and about specifically the disney plus shows especially is the idea of found family which is at the core of what star wars is and really what all good fiction and good um fandoms are it's the family you choose it's the people who stick by you through everything and having this I didn't even think that a show like The Bad Batch needed an Omega, but once she comes in and she reveals herself as the heart of the freaking show, it's like you Yep. There's I'm, I'm no possible <laughs> you could tell the story without her. Um I do like that it also bridges the gap between Clone Wars and Rebels. You can go from this or from Clone Wars to this to Rebels and it will feel seamless. Yes. Um and when it came down to it when I, when I was thinking about the favorite episode, that was the most difficult thing for me. Um, oh, I forgot. Did you have a favorite episode of Obi-Wan? Uh, I, I, I've got to, I've got to say, like, I think favorite episode, I believe is the season finale because nice. just, just because all everything that we wanted was in that episode and um my the the inquisitors weren't as much of a distraction for me so that i could fully immerse myself into this episode and enjoy it plus you got to see how doomsday prepper baru is which was a shock for us oh gosh uncle owen and baru just oh my gosh they are so yeah oh my gosh they were so boss that was so so good oh man I loved that so much, and and like I I saw uh, I saw somewhere uh, people were like oh that's probably why Uncle Owen and Aunt Bru were burnt to a crisp in A New Hope because they weren't just lovely couple that just sat there and got burnt. No, they probably fought back yeah. to the death, and yeah. that is so stinking. That that is a cool new perspective uh, into mm-hmm. those characters, and I love that so much. So back to the Bad Batch, it was very tough for me to look at these 16 episodes and nail it down to just one specific favorite episode. So I didn't. I chose two episodes (laughs) because in my mind, it makes sense because this series was twice as long as everybody else. So it gets twice the amount of numbers. Um, I have to give it up, as Jesse mentioned before, to episode one, Aftermath. Um, This is everything that's good about the show is in the first episode which every pilot should be um showing us the aftermath and consequences of order 66 of the bad guys winning it is incredible also with that i chose episode number eight which is reunion this is the first time that crosshair and his group catches up to the bad batch and we get that showdown it is tense it is terrifying and it is heart-stopping not the least bit because at the very end of that episode 
who shows up to get into a gunfight with Hunter. It's your boy, Cad Bane, who shows back up and is like, all right, duel. And uh, I remember sitting at the end, at the conclusion of that episode and being like, I can't wait another week to watch the next episode. Like, I, I need it right now. And that's when I realized that I loved this show. When I was going through my favorite episode for this is when I realized, okay, I love that episode. That one's great. That one's great. That one's great. Do I love Bad Batch? That one's great. Like, it was <laughs> a revelation for me how much we loved watching this show. And so yeah, that is why it's number three. There, there isn't really any episodes where you're just like, eh, I'm good without that one. Not a single because... bad episode bunch because like they, they add so much to the world and and like this is this is the spinoff of a show that boba fett tried to be yes 100 but bad batch succeeded um as as, but, as and, was said as was said in the seminal and instant classic movie the mask of zorro you were trying she was succeeding <laughs> Kevin lately watched Master Zorro. It's one of the best movies ever created, period. So good. Love that movie. So, Jesse, <sighs> what is your number three? Number three. I have to look at my edited <laughs> rankings. Sorry, I threw off your whole list. Uh no, all good. <laughs> uh I I think it's uh it's uh season seven, Clone Wars. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Um so I wonder what my one and two are. On the Clone Wars season seven, but but Clone Wars season seven, like it, it it like it gave us all the answers that we wanted of where was Ahsoka during all this, and it told it in a very beautiful way, and I absolutely loved every moment of it. Um. And God, that season was excellent. Uh, I need to get to that season. Uh, I'm like, I'm like, like I said, I'm introducing my mom to the animation. So like, we're, we're only like halfway through the season. I'm like, I need to get to season seven again. Um, just like everything. And like, and also how, and like also answered, like, like how does Rex get over order 66? And where's Rex during all of this? Mm-hmm. And and I loved all the answers that we got and intertwining Ahsoka's story into into episode three as it's happening, <laughs> which is wild and so and like they did it in such a beautiful way. Yeah, it's it's just it's a it's a great show for sure. Um, uh, Twelve episodes long. Uh, we aren't unfortunately getting a season eight, which is okay because of how it ended Uh, we we did we did get season eight it's called bad batch you're right you're right my mistake (laughs) um did you have a uh do you have a favorite episode uh like for me it's either the beginning or the end for with these ones and uh this this one's the end of just like all the the everything we've been waiting for the tense moments of everything like all the stories aligning and like you figuring out where everything goes yeah. and uh just seeing like oh, man at with like vader being there and just like everything oh 
and just like it was so tense and so good and so sad seeing like again seeing order 66 which is like the saddest thing to watch and everything that we've and all in all of these series seeing order 66 you're like oh cool all right here comes the emotional damage (laughs) so that and you said that was your number three so i have a sneaking suspicion we have the same number two so my number two is the mandalorian season one yeah Okay. So, um, Mandalorian uh, season one, again, eight episodes. Did it get an additional season? Yes, we already talked about it. Um, Season season one, it's basically, again, it is modern Star Wars starts here. If you watch this and head off, then you will know what the current, not just quality, but also what the, um, what really. The vibe of modern Star Wars. Um, we get the introduction and subsequent journey of Mando and Baby Yoda, as they are known. Uh, also known as Din Djarin and Grogu, for those of you Philistines who don't know their actual names. <laughs> or uh, Space, Space Dad and Baby Yoda, whatever yeah. you want to call them. Whatever you want to call them. Um, <laughs> We mentioned it earlier, but honestly, Wolf and Cub as a concept always rules. It's it's something that we've seen numerous times at this point. Batman and Robin, The Witcher, Old Man Logan, like all of oh, them have in common. Yeah. It's that Wolf and Cub style story, and it is used to perfection here. And it, unlike something like Boba Fett earlier, the promise of the premise with the Star Wars universe is fulfilled here. You can go anywhere. You can do anything. It's not one of the biggest things that worked about this for me is that unlike season two, this was not focused on anything Skywalker. Not a single Skywalker was uttered here. You don't even see a lightsaber until a dark saber pops out of the ship in the season finale. Like yep. it's, incredible how they're able to say all right we're gonna we're gonna do a star wars show and not have a single goddamn jedi in this entire thing (laughs) and it worked it worked so well and not for nothing i think a lot of that had to do with you hardcore western vibes that this show even even with the with the music and everything it was just hardcore it's like spaghetti western 100%. And what I loved about it, and kind of what I liked about it more than season two, is that it felt like it was Star Wars video game storytelling. It was episodic. It was, you go through, it's, if you're playing an open world Star Wars game, God forbid, right? You go out into the universe and you just pick up, you know, and you just pick (laughs) up different tasks here and there. That's what this show is. And then I realized while I was doing notes for this, I realized why I like this so much. This show is Samurai Jack. This is every single episode is a new story that fulfills the overlying arc for our silent protagonist. And the reason that it works so well for me is because it feels that way. There is an overarching, you know, Mando's trying to protect Grogu. 
But every episode presents a new challenge, introduces a new character, builds out the universe a little bit more, brings new lore to the story. And it just all over the place is just so well done and introduces us to so much more of what the universe can give you and what you can do with Star Wars storytelling that there was no single thought in my mind that it wasn't going to be in the top two. This was a revelation for me and for many people on just what can be done with the star wars universe and it is a it is a monument to the idea that it doesn't just have to be stories about the jedi and that any good world building shows you that there are other stories available to you so that's why i have it at number two jesse why do you have it at number two i i'm i'm still in shock with the samurai jack uh comparison uh (laughs) I was literally doing the notes for this episode. But like, that's, I think at at the core of Star Wars that make, that's what makes this story like so beautiful because like the original trilogy, it has those Western vibes. It has those set, like those, those like samurai vibes. And so bringing that into something that isn't necessarily like swordsman or like Jedi is very cool that they did that. And it works so well. And, uh, and just like, like the world, like I agreed, the world building was just fantastic and just like introducing things I never even thought like was a thing like, like, like a religious cult of Mandalorians. Like that is just, that is just wild and so cool. Like I love, I love like them delving into beliefs that aren't necessarily, like that's not even force related. Like I, I love seeing the, the, the force related ones because me, but like, this is actually, it's super cool. And like, and like this is this. And like the weird thing about this one is it's kind of culty. It's got, it's, yeah. it's got some big, it's got some major cult vibes. I recognize that this is probably going to be a sound bite that's used against me later on in my life, but I love space cults. Just as a concept <laughs> in fiction, I love the idea of it. But that's very cool. It, like, it it's very cool for this story. It's like it's amazing of like of like seeing seeing a story through the eyes of someone who is who is a character we love who just so happens to be part of a weird Mandalorian cult. Uh, like it, that's so stinking cool. Like I and uh, and of course Grogu is amazing and adorable and must be protected at all costs. Uh, well, and like, and like, like you talk about the wolf and cub, uh, like I feel like it's more of the reluctant parent, right? Like the the one who, who isn't who isn't like going into parenthood on purpose, but like just so ha- get like parenthood gets thrust upon them, and they and it's them trying to thrive in that, and it's great to see that. Yeah, and and it and, speaks once again to the to the concept of found family like you getting put into a situation where you're not expecting to be but then you are fighting to your last breath to protect what you've gotten and i i love it to death do you have a favorite episode of the first Uh, season first season um basically any episode this is why i looked up the cast because i i couldn't uh oh uh any episode with quill in it i have spoken yes 
I love that character to death. Ooh, really? E. Really? You you gotta say you're gonna say that? Too soon? Too soon? <laughs> Way too soon. Always too soon for Quill. One of the most heartbreaking deaths in the entire Star Wars universe. Like, oh, it was it was awful. It was absolutely awful. Like I like the characters that they introduced to this. I, it, like this, all the side characters. Like it's so amazing. Like they don't overshadow the main character because we love Din. We mm-hmm. absolutely love Din. But this has phenomenal side characters that like you fall in love with. Like I totally yeah. shipped him and that lady in that village. I like shipped that so hard. But even <laughs> though it wasn't gonna happen, uh, I mean it could happen. Like. It, they're both still alive so it could it could be a thing but it's probably never gonna happen but uh but yeah it's just like such interesting side characters like quill and it's just like it's just ugh, amazing yeah i, love, I, love I, the show. I absolutely agree the, the supporting cast was incredible but unlike boba fett it didn't outshine our main protagonist correct which is really um my favorite episode is episode six the oh. prisoner where they they break into the space prison. Oh, oh I love gosh. heists and prison break stories, and this one bottled both of those up into one episode. And I love it. <laughs> so good. Oh man, yeah, and like it, and like kind of and and like even gives you like a little bit of like Din's history. And uh, I just I just thought that was I I I thought that was really cool of getting like little snippets like necessarily anything we needed but it was like just a little little nice little little something something of of getting din's past it's not just a heist it's not just a heist for heist purposes it's like it's actually like it actually tells you a little bit more about the character yeah and i and i love when you have you know a character who is supposed to be this like big bad mercenary but then you realize oh there are mercenaries that are worse than him and not just you know <laughs> worse in ability like worse as people and you get oh this, yeah this whole you know exploration on how din is as a person not just as a character in the fictional star wars universe and i i love whenever they get to put spotlights on that so yeah mandalorian season one it rules. It's the reason that we're here. It's the reason that we're at the party. It's the reason for the season. So yep. I am very excited for season three. <sighs> I can't wait. Oh, it's going to be so good. So since we're, since we're on the Mandalorian train, um, we'll just, we'll slide right into number one. Your number one is obviously season two. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and like, it just like, like going off of season one, introducing more characters that I absolutely love that they haven't killed off yet. Uh, like my boy Cobb. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be the white rain. No. Oh my gosh. Tatooine is just Tatooine is not power ranger planet. Okay. <laughs> Show up with a little dagger. He's going to use the little flute. And it's going to summon the giant worm monster from the first episode of season two. Oh my gosh. It would that... be incredible. Is that, wasn't that a crate dragon? Yes. Which He's is going to far, crate which dragon. is far different than our interpretation of crate dragons from like KOTOR, <laughs> which were like, which were like very, like very beefy. Uh, shoot. What are they called? Uh, 
mod like not monitor lizard uh gosh dragon komodo dragon okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well I, I feel like a lot of things have changed since kotor at this uh, point uh, just 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 a few things here and there just a few just a couple but yeah uh, i i'm very excited for uh for white or green ranger cop van that's gonna be great <laughs> please <laughs> uh but yeah it's it's just like i just love din got the treatment that finn should have got in the movies 100 percent like because like force awakens we get we have finn who is a stormtrooper who doesn't realize he's in a star wars movie um and and just gets totally thrown into like the sky it gets thrown into the skywalker saga of all things like we really got that in season two of Din not realizing he's in Star Wars gets thrown into like part like dabbles into the Skywalker saga, uh, or and like just Star Wars in general, yeah. And it's just like, and he meets like pivotal characters that everyone else is like, oh my gosh, he'll be like who? <laughs> just because he just because he doesn't know because he doesn't realize he's in a Star Wars film, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's wonderful storytelling of him just showing up. Like he we we get the big reveal and I don't I don't necessarily think this is this is a spoiler because everybody knows about this at this point, but we see the Luke Skywalker show up at the end of season 2 and <laughs> Din doesn't know who this man is. He just knows he's the <laughs> Jedi who's supposed to be who he gives Grogu to. Like a, a Jedi I came. Him. It just he so happens to be Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a hell of a show, and it, it builds upon a lot of this, a lot of the things that we loved about that first season. Um, it's it's wonderful. Do you have a a favorite episode of season two? Uh, oh man, because like between between seeing live action Ahsoka or seeing Luke Skywalker is just like oh, it's so cool. Oh, and, well, like I love, like, that's what I loved about season two of like, finally seeing these characters as like these cart, like what we were introduced originally as cartoons, seeing them live action is so amazing and incredible. Like being able to like, it finally merges these stories and be like, Oh, these are the one insane story. And like, that is incredible. Uh, and like seeing Bo-Katan like live action, seeing Ahsoka live action. Like, I think that is so stinking cool. Like I'm still waiting to see like Rex. Mm -hmm. Like, but, but like, man, it's, and like the stinking conclusion, like we would talk about Luke, we talk about Ahsoka, but like, like him getting the getting, we're we're already in spoiler territory. Uh, like him him getting the dark saber like what what does bo katan do after that to challenge him and end his life is what's going to happen in mandalorian season three potentially and, and, and him mastering the dark saber which was like made by a mandalorian jedi like it, it of just like like that is so fitting for someone who has a very powerful son who just so happens to like who was almost trained to be a jedi like Serendip- it's just so fitting for him and like he doesn't want any of this and then he becomes be like he's eventually going to be the leader of mandalore 
Like he yeah. thought Grogu was he thought Grogu was a problem. Like oh boy, he's gonna get all of Mandalore as a problem. Yeah, I I really dug Moff Gideon as as a villain. I thought he was oh, terrible. Yes, right ways. Um, I mean, Giancarlo Esposito is just top tier when it comes to villain he's, characters. He's so good. Um, I also want to give a quick shout to uh, to the episode The Believer. Bill Burr is an incredible oh, actor. I and forgot. Oh my gosh. Even yes. though he's introduced in The Prisoner, which is my favorite episode of season one. Um, and the amount of character building they did with him in that episode in season two, phenomenal. Yeah, they, that's, they, that's, that's one of my top episodes. That is so good. so good. They took all the characters that we love from the first season and were like, hey, let's make you cry about them. Let's do it. <laughs> and, okay. Tears oh, proceed. All right. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was cool. um, any final thoughts on Mandalorian season two? Uh, just the Mandalorian. Just everything about him is just wonderful. Him just and like I don't know. Like the, between this and Obi Wan, um, just seeing them walk through or be a part of jobs you wouldn't imagine or like you don't think about being in the star wars world but are absolutely part of the star wars world of like oh yeah they would have like a like a butchery of just like like a normal casual butchery of like exotic animals of just like it's just like oh yeah they would have that because because me and just like i don't know (laughs) just like and like obi-wan's job in the very beginning of of Mm. the of the series it's just like 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 these jobs you wouldn't think about but they're totally yeah absolutely those jobs exist and like i don't know that's just like nice little world building for me that i like about it so just like the extra spice we'll salt bay we'll salt bay you think obi-wan does the same with the uh the stuff that he does during his job, little little sprinkling of <laughs> Oh my gosh, there's probably someone there that I'm like sure. enjoys that job that absolutely does that. And and I'm sure that we're gonna get fan art at some point of Obi Wan if we haven't already. <laughs> Something. Um, uh, and also, when are they gonna be like? When does that meat start to rot? I mean, it's alien meat, so we don't really know the specifics. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, that's one thing. Like, how, like wh- how long is that job security with that <laughs> particular job? Because that is like, a fair question. Well, like, like, like it, it seems to be, it lasts a long time because one is huge, but yeah. two, like, when does that start decomposing and become bad meat? And do they still harvest it during that time? Especially under that Tatooine sun. Like, Ooh, yeah, yeah. Blessed. But yeah, so that is uh, that's Jesse's number one. My number one. We've already come to it. Jesse talked about it before. It's Clone Wars season seven. Um, this was everything that I wanted that final season to be. Um, I do wish yeah. that the season was longer because it basically broke down into three four episode arcs, and I think we should have had six four episode arcs for me personally, <laughs> but. This is it showed in this in this season why it is the gold standard for Star Wars animation. Um, you give 
visions another two or three seasons, it might start to creep up into that top spot. But as it stands, Clone Wars is the tops. Um, we got to see the return of the Ahsoka that we know and love, the impetuous Ahsoka before she becomes full on like enlightened Sage, Ahsoka. Sage Ahsoka. Sage Ahsoka. Um, the season gave us, as Jesse mentioned earlier, the intro of the Bad Batch with them participating in the first uh, four episodes. And it was a true finale to maybe argue, argue, uh, arguably the best Star Wars concept, this, the best Star Wars IP. Clone Wars is something that people continually come back to. It's something that whether you mm-hmm. love it or not, you cannot argue how big of a footprint it's left on the fandom and on the franchise as a whole. Um, it is everything that we wanted it to be, especially my favorite episode, which is actually episodes plural because it is the final <laughs> arc. There mm. is, you will not be able to tell me that there is anything that is better than Siege of Mandalore. There is, there is episodes and films that are as good but I don't think anything tops this. And that's, you know, that's a whole different conversation on what's the best of the best for Star Wars for a different day. But like Siege of Mandalore is top tier Star Wars. Everything yeah. from the character development, the circumstances around it, the absolutely gorgeous fight choreography of Ahsoka versus Maul, like the storytelling's Oof. there. The tragedy of Order 66, Rex and Ahsoka versus an entire Star Destroyer. Yeah, full of jeez. That was insane. With it ending, essentially, with the gateway into Rebels. With the final the scene one, of and, and the last one to go down is my namesake. Your boy. Like, it's... Like, uh, poor, poor Jesse. Jesse goes down Jesse. with the ship. He tried his best. He was. He tried his best. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, it is everything that Star Wars promises to be, and it executes it flawlessly. Correct. Do I think that the you know we should have had more time with Ahsoka, Anakin, and Obi Wan together? Yes, I do think that across the series we should have, but it does feed into how tragic the circumstances are, and how war ultimately pulls us from the ones that we love. So yeah, there's, as, there's never enough time, never enough time. And it speaks on that. And it is a monument to that idea. So for me, it is Star Wars perfection. It is S tier Star Wars. Um, and it was absolutely worth the wait of God, how many years we waited for a seventh season of this show <laughs> too long, uh, too long, but I'm glad that we got to put the pin in that series. And now, as we've said before, we are in the next chapter, which is the era of the Bad Batch. So I love this. I think it's wonderful. I'm glad we got together for this to speak on Star Wars. To recap my list, uh, it's seven, I have Boba Fett. Six, I have Obi-Wan Kenobi. Five is Star Wars Visions. Four is Mandalorian Season 2. Three is the Bad Batch. Two is Mandalorian season one, and number one is Clone Wars season seven. My ranking as of right now, because it is probably going to change eventually. Uh, <laughs> number seven is Boba. Number six is Visions. Uh, number five is Bad Batch. Number four is Obi Wan. Number three, uh, Clone Wars uh, seven. 
and then Mando one and then Mando season two is my number one. And it's okay if these change. That's the whole reason we do these episodes because then, but but at least I prepared ahead of time on this one. (laughs) I like, I wasn't trying to do it like during our recording, uh, like, like last time. So I'm glad I had like a little bit of preparation to where I could rank it ahead of time and, and just make little changes here and there. (laughs) Well, Jesse, it is, always a genuine pleasure to have you on this podcast man we've we've been always for a long time and i'm glad that we get to just sit down and talk about this silly stuff when the world is falling down around us yeah i i, I always love geeking out with you whether what, what like any any nerdy property i love nerding out with you we've been friends for a long time and it's it's always good to have these conversations jesse was uh was also on set while I was in Tucson, you know, filming my most recent project. And we got to spend a lot of time just geeking out about literally everything. If people want to follow up with you, if people want to harass you about how wrong or right your list is on (laughs) Twitter or Instagram, where would our listeners find you? I respond the most on, uh, on Instagram, uh, is like any social, if you want to find me on any social media, just type in Jedi Jesse 20 then and it'll be me uh whether if that it be doesn't on Twitter why he's the right person to have on this episode <laughs> I don't know what uh so like I'm technically on Twitter uh but you'll probably the best way to find me is uh is probably on Instagram so everyone go on Instagram flood Jesse's DMs tell him he needs to cosplay Reed Richards and oh, well, well like the the two the two well like if we're talking Star Wars, uh, my friend said I needed to uh, I needed to cosplay as Cobb. Yes, you do, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Jesse is a longtime Yeehaw boy, um, <laughs> and he is a Western man of Western men. And you need to also harass him to either cosplay Reed Richards or cosplay Cobb Van. Either one, maybe both. Who knows the future is coming. It's gotta be. The hee the is very fake. I, I worked at a Wild West theme park. That's the only reason I'm Yeehaw. But it works so well. He knows all the things. So uh, once again, it's always great. Thank you so much for coming on the show again. You are welcome back anytime. Always a pleasure. I'm always, I'm, I'm always game for this. Love talking to you about all this stuff. And for this year, for the first annual Star Wars Disney Plus ranking, for Jesse, for myself, we have spoken. Ooh, welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown. This is the segment of our show where I chat you up about all the comics that you should be picking up this week. Whether it's at your local comic book shop, a comicsology, or however you get your comics, these are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we got to take a look back at last week's books with the Geek Explain Pick of the Week of last week. And for me, it was very tough. We had some really good comics come out this week, um, but ultimately, I had a tie. Um, but between World's Finest, number four, written by Mark Wade with art by Dan Mora, and The Amazing Spider-Man, number four, written by Zeb Wells with art by John Romita Jr., though I do want to give very special uh, honorable mention to Immortal X-Men, number three, written by Karen Gillan with art by Lucas Wernick. Uh, just a really great week of comics. It was phenomenal. I had a wonderful time. 
Every single book was wonderful. It was a great week of comics. But turning our eyes to this week, we've also got some heavy hitters coming out. So let's dive into the list. First off, Captain America, Symbol of Truth, number two. This is written by Tochi Onyabuchi with art by R.B. Silva. I really dug the first issue of this book. I'm very excited to have Sam Wilson back as Captain America. And I'm excited to see where they go with this. They set up a lot of breadcrumbs for the audience in that first issue of potential ways that they can tell the story so i'm excited to see what direction they go let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here homeland part two after thwarting a train robbery with mysterious ties to the super soldier serum sam wilson needs information unfortunately the person he needs information from is deadpool who's in prison in latveria no one said picking up the shield again would be easy so Deadpool is making his way back into Captain America, which is actually very exciting for me. I think Deadpool, at least the stories that I've really enjoyed him in, is used best when he has Cap as a foil for him. So I'm very excited to see how this turns out. Next up, we have a final issue. This is Batcat number 12. This is written by Tom King with art by Clay Mann. It has been a while since this book started. <laughs> But this is going to be the final chapter of the Batcat romance, closing the door, potentially, on Tom King and his Batman saga, not including the uh, Batman heist series that he's doing right now, uh, Killing Time. But I'm interested to see how this goes. It has been so long since issue 11 came out that I don't really remember what happened. But I love Tom King Batman, so I'm definitely going to be checking this out. So let's do this synopsis. The Bat and the Cat, Chapter 12, Oh Holy Night. Wedding bells are finally ringing for Batman and Catwoman. As our story concludes, the lovers prepare to take the next steps in their lives together by, the tra by trading everlasting vows. The Bat-Cat wedding is here, and knowing Bruce and Selina, it'll be anything but conventional. You won't want to miss this final chapter of Tom King's Batman epic. So yeah, looking forward to that. Interested to see how they end the series. Next up, we've got a brand new number one that I'm very excited about. This is The Variance number one. This is written by Brian, or this is written by Gail Simone, sorry, with art by Phil Noto and Betsy Cola. And I am super excited about this. Uh, this is a Jessica Jones mystery. And it is uh, basically going to be Jessica Jones in the multiverse. I'm super excited. Let's dive into the synopsis. What, it, what would it really be like to meet an alternative version of yourself? Another you who had made different choices and lived a completely different life as a result? That's the question facing Jessica Jones, as what seemed like a routine investigation instead has her encountering other incarnations of herself from across the multiverse. Can Jessica get along with herself? Will she want to kill her other selves? And will seeing the lives she could have led drive her into a self-destructive spiral? This is what happens when you meet the Variants. So yeah, that is going to be very interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with this. I've been hyped about this. I love Jessica Jones as a character. I love Gail Simone as a writer. And I love Phil Noto as an artist. So this is a match made in heaven for me. Next up, we have another Batman book. This is Batman Beyond the White Knight number four. Written and illustrated by Sean Gordon Murphy with uh, colors by Dave Stewart. And this book's been good so far. I haven't loved it yet like i have with previous uh 
white knight offerings but i've been really enjoying it you know how much i love batman beyond so i can't wait to check this out let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis book four the hunt continues as bruce wayne searches for the most dangerous offspring in neo gotham the daughter of the joker little does he know the new batman is right behind him waiting for just the right moment to strike and put an end to the older generation of heroes in the city all seems to be going according to plan for Derek powers as his true intentions are revealed plus ace the bat hound joins the story you know how much i love ace the bat hound very excited to see how this goes next up a book that i have absolutely been loving this is she hulk number four this is written by rainbow roll with art by luca maresca and I have been adoring this book so far. I really, really dig She-Hulk, and I love Rainbow Royale's voice for She-Hulk. I think it's wonderful. It's been doing a great job in telling a classic yet strangely new uh, She-Hulk story. I'm interested to dive more into the mystery behind Jack of Hearts, so let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Super Fight Club is here, and She-Hulk isn't going to break the rules. Good thing Rainbow Roel and Rose Antonio are going to break the first rule and talk about it just for you! Jennifer Walters never promised us not to break the rules at her day job. Rule number one, no superhero clients. So this is going to be real interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with this. Uh, She-Hulk is going to kick ass. We know that much. Next up, we have The End of an Era. This is Detective Comics number 1061. This is written by Mariko Tamaki and Sina Grace with art by Ivan Race, David LaFam, and not and uh, actually writing duties also by Nadia Shamas. So this is the end of the Tamaki era before the uh, Ram V era picks up next month, I believe. And I am sad to see this go. I have loved Mariko Tamaki on Detective Comics. I think her era will be looked back on fondly. Uh, she told some great stories with some wonderful artists, and I am going to miss Tamaki's voice on this book. Um, we're also getting the finale of Gotham Girl Interrupted, which I think has been a fantastic backup. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Mommy's Home. With Talia Al Ghul back in town, anything can happen, and the mother of Robin is here to lay down the law. Meanwhile, the Riddler's scheme to turn Batman's sacred city into a twisted riddle of life and death has at last been revealed, and Edward's going to use whatever and whoever he can to turn Batman's life upside down. Then, in the finale of Gotham Girl Interrupted, Claire Clover unravels the mystery behind the Gotham Girl website. So why doesn't she believe what she finds in the process? It's betrayal, healing, and punches galore. I love Gotham Girl. I'm glad that Claire has found a place in this book. I am very curious to see what the next chapter of her story looks like, so I will be picking up this book for sure. But the big book of the week, the book I think you should absolutely be picking up, is X-Men Red number 4, written by Al Ewing, art by Juan Cabal and Andre Skenolet, and uh, Michael Stamaria. I know I said that incorrectly, and I apologize, but I am very excited to pick this book up. I've been loving X-Men Red so far. Al Ewing in space is always a good time, and this book so far has been fantastic, even though, spoiler alert, last issue, they killed Vulcan! <sighs> I'm hoping that's not the end of Vulcan. I hope he continues on in this book, but we will just have to see. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. 
the Martian way of death. Recent revelations threaten to profoundly alter the destiny of X, and Arako isn't immune from the fallout. With the clock ticking down to interstellar war, Storm faces a galactic Illuminati. Magneto attends a meeting of his own that might decide both their fates, and Roberto da Costa ponders a recent return from the grave alongside the strangest guest star of all. That sounds really interesting. Lots of plates spinning on this. Al Ewing is doing the Lord's work by telling stories of X-Men in space and telling them the only way that he can. So I'm very excited about this, but that does it for this week's Comics Countdown. To recap, we have Captain America, Symbol of Truth, number two, Batman Catwoman, number 12, The Variants, number one, Batman Beyond the White Knight, number four, She-Hulk, number four, Detective Comics, number 1061, and X-Men Red, number four. This is going to be a wonderful week of comics. And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Geeksplain podcast and you like what I do here, feel free to subscribe on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and honestly, ratings and reviews really do help me and the podcast out, raises our stock in this weird podcasting algorithm space, and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you. And if you give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it, I will read your review here live on the podcast you can write whatever you want i will be forced to read it as long as you give me those five stars the sky is the limit and you'll be able to join the likes of our red 13 including seafire nd josh repails to pixels matt draper burrito man 88 doug from for every kind of geek don swanson that guy brian mouth dork dallas meeks uh, amazing spider fan a lock and az sass and jedi jesse 20 want to say a huge thank you to these fine folks for their reviews and I cannot wait to hear yours if you want to be part of our Geeksplain mailbag if you have a question or a message for me or for the podcast feel free to write in to geeksplained at gmail.com put mailbag in the subject header and I will read it here on the podcast just like good brother and the real deal himself Brian Real who writes hi Eric hello hope you've been doing well I wanted to ask your pitch idea slash most wanted for a new cross-publisher series that you would like to see made in a new collaboration. Books like Power Rangers, TMNT, Batman TMNT, Black Hammer Justice League have been some of the cooler ideas seen in this vein in recent years. What are a few or one big one you think would be awesome to see with characters across publishers that would tell the best story together? Bonus points if you can think up a killer creative team too. I was going to say the only rule would be no Marvel DC, but honestly, I'm certain you'd come up with a great one if you went that route, and I'd want to hear it. Loving the podcast as usual, and a huge fan of the Days of Thunder intro, it slaps. Be well and be safe, best Brian. Brian! My brother, thank you so much. I spent a very long time <laughs> on that Days of Thunder intro, and I am so glad that it came out exactly how I wanted it to. So thank you very much for that, and thank you for listening to the Days of Thunder. I've been having a amazingly fun time with uh my fellow warriors three jacob brown and malcolm russell nelson but more on that later i have been thinking about this since i read this email and there are three that i'd like to pitch you just real quick uh based on the books that i'm loving right now and books that i think would be really cool to read first off a book called the good asian 
the shadow. I think having Edison Hark run up against the shadow would be really interesting. And with the lineage of the shadow as a character, I think it'd be really cool to see those two characters mingle and whether they work together, whether they work whether they work in opposition of each other, I think that would be awesome to see. Um, you could even combine, like you get a Pornsock Pachette show to write it and maybe just based off the most recent Shadow comic I've read, get like a Riley Rossmo to do the arts. I think that'd be really, really cool. Um, the other one that I'd really like to see is Firepower Shang-Chi. I think Shang-Chi and Firepower would be really interesting Um you know how much I've been loving both of those books. I think it would be a wonderful time to see those two characters intermingle, deal with the legacy that both of them uh, are dealing with. I also thought about the new Iron Fist and uh, and Firepower. Either one of those I think would be really, really cool. Um, probably have uh, Robert Kirkman uh, do the writing on that. Honestly, I'd probably go with Robert Kirkman and Chris Somney just to do the whole thing. But it would be really cool to have uh, maybe varied artists on it, like maybe get a Jim Chung or um, honestly DK Ruan or Marcus Toe to do the art. I think it'd be really, really cool. And then finally, the one that I think would be almost the most interesting because uh, we've seen Star Trek do crossovers with DC Comics before, but what I would be really interested in that I think could be potentially super, super interesting is Star Trek Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, You get Al Ewing to write it, and you get literally anyone to do art, though, with their recent work on Far Sector, I think Jamal Campbell would be aces to have on this book and you do like maybe the uh star trek strange new worlds cast meeting up with al ewing's uh guardians of the galaxy i think it'd be really really cool uh cross publishers like that are always an awesome uh opportunity to show off not just creative teams but also characters that feel like they should be running in the same crowd so those are the three books that i would I would pitch. I think it would be really interesting. Let me know if you have any pitches. I'd love to hear them. Reach out um, if you want, and we'll have that conversation. So, Brian, once again, thank you for writing in. Uh, He's a longtime listener, has written in multiple times, and it's always wonderful to hear from him. And again, if you want to write into the podcast, write your emails to geeksplained at gmail.com, but mailbag in the subject header, and I will read it as part of the Geeksplained mailbag. If you want to keep up to date with me, participate in polls that decide future episodes, or maybe you just want to shoot the shit with me on the latest geeky news, feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at geeksplainedpod. That's at geeksplainedpod. That's where you'll find announcements for the podcast. That's where you'll find me reacting to stuff and where I post up the teasers for every single session of the Geeksplained book club, the days of thunder uh doug from the for every kind of geek youtube channel has been doing all of the animation and the video editing for those teasers so i want to say a huge thank you to him he has been put doing the lord's work making those teasers and i will endlessly be in his debt for that also go check out his youtube channel for every kind of geek it is incredible he released 
an episode recently on Action Comics, on Grant Morrison's time on Action Comics. And if you are a fan of X-Men, he has been absolutely crushing it with his Krakoa-era X-Men video. So go subscribe to his YouTube channel. It is amazing. Doug's amazing. Enough said on that. Speaking of the Days of Thunder, every single Friday we are doing the Geeksplain Book Club where I, alongside my amazing friends, are going through every single issue of every single volume of Jason Aaron's Thor as part of the Days of Thunder! In the lead-up to Thor Love and Thunder, we are going through the entire Jason Aaron run. Ten episodes, ten parts. We have covered so far uh, three parts entailing the God Butcher saga, the last days of Midgard, as well as most recently last week, we covered the debut of the Mighty Thor with the initial 2014 Thor run, the annual as well as Secret Wars Thors. And this week, we are diving into the new era of the Mighty Thor issues 1 through 12. So make sure you check that out. That will be this Friday. Stay tuned. Tune in on Friday at 4 p.m. PST. Be there or be square, not a circle. But that is going to do it for this week's episode. And for next week, we are going to be seeing the return of longtime uh, guest, returning guest, good brother, and the best bout machine himself, Matt Draper, as we dive into the and put the Geek Explain spotlight on Superman Kryptonite by Darwin Cook and. Tim Sale, who recently passed away. Um, it was very difficult trying to come up with a book that I wanted to cover, but I'm very excited to talk about Superman Kryptonite, and I'm very excited to chat about it with Matt Draper, who is amazing. There might also be some Forbidden Door talk for those of our wrestling fans in the audience, so make sure you stay tuned for that! But yeah, tune in next week for us putting the Geek Explained spotlight on Superman Kryptonite, same geek time, same geek channel. But for now, for the Geek Explained podcast, I've been Eric Azana. Thank you very much for listening. Everybody stay safe, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.